Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You just be sitting up there jacked. <laughs> I'm there for the pot goat. You just got to pack me in committed to the boat early on like i love getting close and putting up you cover a range of stuff on here too right like we call this the uh, the thp world headquarters you know my grandpa roy weatherby i came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different bowls just you're canadian we're doing yeah, a canadian I... podcast my name's douglas Bowes. i'm robbie denning welcome cool. yeah cologne is beautiful it's amazing yeah. Yeah. When's the last time you were here? Uh, it's been a while. while, like probably six or seven years ago. I I, I wanted to take my wife back there because I thought it was just such a cool place. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um. Yeah. It's probably changed a lot since you've been here. They're they're developing quite a bit. There's nothing but high rises going up in the downtown course. So. But, oh uh, yeah, I bet it's huh. booming. It didn't stay a secret that. for too long. Yeah, I bet I can understand why. Like I said, I went one time and I was hooked. I'm like, gosh dang, this is a sweet place. Yeah, there's good elk hunting around here too and mule deer. I bet. Yeah, it looked like it. it I didn't get a chance to do any of that, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, the guy. His name's Gord Oliver. I don't know if you know. Uh, Global Roadways, I think, was there and maintenance was their company name. I don't know if you see trucks around plowing or salt roads. Yeah, I know Global, but I don't know on the guy named by Gord. Well, he's, if I ever he's bump into him and be now. like, hey, man. Yeah, I think he world. moved to another. Yeah, I think he moved. Um, I think he's still in BC, but somewhere else. Uh, and uh, he's doing, he's building like, uh, I don't know, he's working with some builders down here in my area. Actually, some other friends of mine that are down here, but he does uh, projects up in Canada that they that they land, I guess. Oh, yeah. Nice. How's the weather down where you are? Why don't you just tell the lot of snow? Where, yeah, lots. Yeah. I always see on your Instagram that kind of looks yeah. like, well, we don't have any snow now. I think Pete. Really? Pete's still I, shoveling snow. Uh, just a little bit. It's mostly melted now. Yeah. 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 Springtime's close. It's like false yeah. spring number three. <laughs> we'll get hammered yeah, with another right? storm here soon, I'm sure. Yeah, but, I understand that. Yeah, it is what it is, right? Get your hopes up and then just smack you when oh. you're not watching. <laughs> 
It's actually going to be gorgeous here. It's like minus, I think, nine for the next week at night Celsius. Wow. And then it's like plus three with the sun shining by the afternoon. Like you if couldn't ask lucky. for nicer. <laughs> well, yeah, it's that time of year. That's where the big storms can come in with those temperatures yep. too. But yep. yeah, yep. it's just, it's gorgeous right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured out that as long as I don't put the shovels away, I'm good. I see it never yeah. fails. As soon as I put all the shovels away. Put all the snow stuff away, change the tires over. We get another dump, guaranteed. So, so Kevin, and then Pete. Do you go by Peter or Pete? Whatever. Both. Yeah, I'm just. I'll answer to pretty much anything. All right, anything. (laughs) He'll answer to anything. Yeah. Are you tired of getting robbed to pay Paul? Is that? (laughs) Ever hear that joke? I don't know. No, I have. I use the term all the time, but just I thought, ah, that's Peter. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I know a little bit about you just because we've been chatting back and forth on Instagram and, uh, but why don't you tell our listeners, which are, well, I think we've got about half Canadian, half American, but why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm, uh, my name's Mike Merrill and, uh, I, I love hunting in the outdoors. I love, love being active, uh, like uh, working out and exercising, trail running, I like uh, doing anything that's challenging and difficult and uh, building that mental fortitude and toughness in all kinds of ways. So I like to try and challenge myself uh, with different things. But most of all, yeah, I, I love hunting, love archery and, and uh, you know, I rifle hunt or you know, shoot guns too, but, uh, but bow hunting is really my passion. So yeah. um, just nice. been doing it my whole life and, and uh, could never could never get enough of it probably, but so I, you know, get out when I can. Yeah. So, so where do you live? So I live in a town called Salem, Utah, and it's it's about uh, about 45 minutes south of Salt Lake City. Um, and uh, yeah, beautiful uh, mountain valley. I just live on a bench of uh, you know beautiful mountain range uh, next to Mount Lofer is what it's called. But uh, yeah, it's uh, probably two or three miles away. I like to trail run up there. And I hunt up that way too when I have tags in the area and, and uh, you know spend a lot of time in the mountains whenever I can. Yeah, you definitely seem like you uh, you like getting after it. That's for sure. It's funny because Pete always gives me a hard time. I'm, oh, I, I like to run, and um, he says nobody ever runs with a smile on their face. And I, <laughs> I, I sent him your link, oh, yeah. and I was like, "Look at, see, I'm not the only guy running with a uh, smile on my face." And yours, yours is fake. I can't say anything about yours, Mike, because I went through yeah. your profile. And I was like, I got to find a running picture somewhere. He's not smiling. <laughs> I can't find one. I got to bow down to this one here. My oh, hat's boy. off. Uh, appreciate that yeah it's yeah. funny because i people say that all the time and they're like why are you smiling you know it's like i don't i'm just I, i'm it's happy what i'm doing i love it you know? but, because i uh, have never personally seen anybody smile while they run unless it's a fake one for like kevin sending me a video clip or something like that so i've been yeah. like you don't even look happy i know why you're doing it but you're not smiling either and that proves my point nobody uh, wants to run <laughs> yeah well, it's, I, I, I didn't even know what was happening. I mean, years ago before, like, you know, I used to take, I'd take selfies, you know, I was running most on Instagram, but nobody's really doing the video thing or like, you know, while you couldn't do them for whatever it was. And uh, so, you know, trying to take a picture while you're running and, you know, keep it from being blurry and whatever else. And, and, uh, and then once I, you know, started taking videos and I started realizing I'd get done running and my cheeks were just so sore. I'm like, what's going on? So like <laughs> bouncing from the thing. And then, and then I real cause I smiled about it shook my head i thought oh that's i'm feeling that now and I, I guess i was smiling the whole time didn't even i don't even realize i'll catch myself doing it and i'm like why am i smiling i mean i know why but like it's it was kind of weird but that's just the i am so. hey man i'll no, take it, that I mean, any day of the week yeah absolutely good on you yeah. um 
you seem like a guy who just who just lives life to his fullest and enjoys every every second of it though yeah that's the goal i i mean you know there's a, a few ways to do this and, and i found that uh you know trying to enjoy all of it the best you can is, is the best way to go about it and you know, if you do, I, I always tell people I'm like 110% all in on whatever it is I'm doing. And if I'm, if I'm not committed, then, you know, I'm probably not doing it. And, uh, you know, if I, I, I always say, if I, if I don't want to be doing it for five years, I try not to do it for five minutes. So, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. And I'm I, the same way. If it's, uh, if I'm going to do it, I'm doing it all or nothing. There's no half-assing and I only do the things I love to do. So. Yeah, there you go. And I, I actually, I've got a friend, uh, you know, social media connection originally, but uh, I don't know if you know who John and Jen Rivet are uh, up your way. They're, uh, they do uh, a lot of black bear hunts and, you know, their guides up, up that way. And, uh, they try and get out on a hunt with them next year for, for black bears in the spring. But uh, oh, nice. anyway, kind of, excited. you know, that's something I haven't done before up in Canada. And, uh, had a chance to hunt bears. So looking forward what, to uh, what province are you going to for that? Where are they from? Uh, they're in BC and I don't, I don't remember the name of the town. Uh, talk to I just saw them at the hunting expo. I think they're actually, I, I think, I thought I heard them say they were here in Utah till like April, but they work with like Traeger and Hoyt and you know, oh, they yeah. got a lot of, a lot of sponsors and, and a lot of their vendors, uh, East and those oh, folks yeah. out this way. So I think when they come down for the hunt expo, they, you know, make it an extended stay. And yeah. Do a bunch why not? Of cool nice. things. Yeah. So yeah. Just curious, oh, just because I was curious on the style of hunting that you'd be doing for your black bear hunt, just because BC, uh, we can't beat, but Alberta, you can, and Saskatchewan, you can. So I was just kind of curious. Yeah, they, I think, and, and it may be that their, that their um, hunting sites are in Alberta. Um, I know they do a lot of baiting. So okay. Yeah, so that, form, that so. would be Alberta. Some people, yeah. some outfitters do have, they've got multiple. They'll have outfits, they'll have an outfitter operation in BC and alberta yeah. um but yeah in bc if you're going with a guide most likely you'd be running dogs mm, i got gotcha. you uh, yeah, and i did that last year here in utah got a, a pretty sweet bear with my boat and uh, i'm actually going to be doing mountain lines here actually this month there in just uh two or three weeks nice. in utah. i've got a nephew uh with a company called lone tree outfitters and uh in fact it's funny wearing this knock-on shirt today he took john dudley out after lions a few years ago here in utah but uh anyway we'll be going out after after a big tom if we can find one nice. yeah chasing cats is a lot of fun it's a lot of work it's fun it is it's a lot that's why i actually love it because it's like the last time i had a tag i drew a, a limited tag a few years ago and i think one day in fact my i started cramping up and i'm looking at my garmin at the end i think we went like 17 miles and Holy I mean, it's smokes. just great and there was snow all the way up to my thighs and with the cat we ended up treeing was uh actually pretty good tom but you know, not, not, not a giant. And so he talked me out of taking him and, uh, like, man, we hiked all this way and we're not going to take him. He's like, well, we can both find you a bigger one. Well, then the next three we trained were all females. Um, one of them was a really big female, bigger than that Tom was actually, she was huge, but, uh, but I don't want to take the female. So we just, you know, I never ended up getting one that year. So he's going to take right. me out again this year. See if we build my tag. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. It's hard to, when you work that hard, it's hard to pass anything up, especially a cat. Like when you get a cat in a tree, they look pretty freaking cool. So just sit yeah, there, totally chill, just like yeah. totally in their element, not worried about anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a friend that's been uh, spot and stock hunting here in Utah for almost 10 years, like helping other people. And some of the people have been with him have, have gotten them when they've been together, but it was never like his turn to, to shoot or whatever when they had an opportunity. And, uh, and he actually, he ended up killing two in like three days here and it was wow. spot and stock, no dogs. One of them was a pistol 
and he just saw some tracks off the road and they went into this brushy area like this big stump and uh he didn't see any tracks coming out of it and all he had was his pistol he didn't have anything else with him and so he just snuck up there close to it jumped this cat the cat stopped and he shot it with his pistol and jeez it's like in three days you know he'd been going 10 years and i've never got one in three days the same season he killed two so Cool. yeah it's funny how that uh how that happens sometimes yeah, yeah i tracked so, a couple down too this year i already told the story but uh didn't work out oh boy <laughs> next year next year yeah no, yeah so yeah. so this year i got a i've got a uh, an elk tag in uh in idaho the county that i was able to get i was I think i was like seventeen thousandth in line and i ended up but like after eight and a half hours of being in the waiting list or whatever i got my deer and my elk tag i actually got the, the archery unit that i wanted so that was cool for deer and then uh, while i was on there getting my license and everything and doing the application um ended up getting a couple wolf tags too and then they have some reduced bear areas that i've hunted before in that area so so i've got some wolf tags bear tags elk and deer up in idaho so that nice. should be kind of fun this year. so are those over-the-counter tags they are yep so do you guys yep. already do like have you guys already put in for your draws and stuff not in the you... state of utah that's uh that's getting ready to open up here shortly um they, I didn't draw a bear, or uh, I'm actually, or sorry, I'm on a waiting list for bear in Utah because I, because I got one last year on the limited entry, and then I didn't draw a cougar for the limited, but I, but I did buy one over the counter. So you can do that in the quota areas, and that's the tag I'll be hunting with this year. So it's just over the counter. And then, right. Uh, the Idaho stuff was all over the counter. You just, just first come first serve on, on the deer and the elk, and I, I was fortunate enough to. Oh, I see. Get a so, couple tags for my pocket. So there's just a limited number of tags, and then it's kind of whoever. Yeah. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like your yeah. place in line type of thing. Pick a number. Yeah, and then I'm in. I'm in for Arizona elk. I do have a deer tag in Arizona for this uh, this coming fall uh, archery. Um, so, it, but it's like it's late. Usually, like December is a is a rut hunt down there. So you can take a coos or a mule deer. So I got a few tags this year. Last year, all I had, I had, I had three tags all year. One was my bear tag that I drew, and then I had an over the counter elk and deer permit in Utah. And uh, that was it. I, I usually have two or three tags out of state somewhere. I just couldn't draw. I think I've been in for like 16 different uh, animals in four or five different states. And I didn't draw anything. So hopefully this year I'll, I'll get a little lucky and draw, draw a good tag or two besides the over-the-counter stuff. But uh, should be a good year. I'll have I'll plans to get out quite a bit if I can. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for you for sure. So do you guys have to do, how does your reporting work? Do you guys have to, like, what kind of reporting do you have to do on your over-the-tag stuff? So most most states do um, encourage some require uh, reporting. I always I always get feedback all the time every time that mm -hmm. I have an opportunity. I, I like to help and populate the data accurately. Um, but in like in Utah and Arizona and some of these other places, you have to report when you draw a permit or else they'll like fine you and like not let oh, you put really? in anymore. And then oh, you got wow. you know pay penalties. And so they make it painful, which I, I really support, like that they do that. You know, I think it's part of our responsibility to share the information so they have accurate data, you know, our results. But um, but yeah, most of the, most of the states have some opportunity to give feedback, and, yeah. uh, but but probably half require, especially if it's anything limited, then I always have to, me have to, like I did, um, they took a tooth on my bear, I had to check it in the fishing game uh -huh. um, on elk or deer um, in a limited entry unit. Especially elk, you have to send in a tooth and you know do yeah. some things to to help with your feedback and report. So. Yeah, that we have like there's some compulsory inspection animals for us up here as well, yeah. but they just started this year doing. Uh, if you go online, you can you can fill out for each tag that you bought. You can fill out if you're successful or not. Um, nice. 
so I did mine. Pete, did you do yours? Fuck off. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. But Yeah. Why, why is that? Why didn't I do it? <laughs> well, your wife, she she must have filled it out because she did all the killing in your family this year. Yeah. Oh, boy. Wow. He's yeah. throwing it down now. Oh, oh yeah. he is. He knows it. I got I got to wear it though. It is what it is. It's uh, uh, yeah. She got a she got a moose tag this year. Wow, nice. So for us, that's all leh. And around here, it's a weird system up here. Um, so when you get it, it we've had it twice in I'll say five years, and normally it's like a once in a lifetime draw. Oh wow, that's great. so I'm not going to complain. Right, but you never know if you get it. It's I pretty much gave up all my elk hunting. Everything was for a hundred percent on this tank. Sure. Um, I think I got like three or four days of elk hunting in the first couple of days of archery season. And that was it. Wow. And then, yeah, I ended up helping her get, uh, she got a beautiful bull moose around here at 15 yards with the crossbow. It's amazing. And uh, it tastes pretty good. <laughs> except except yeah. she consistently tells me that she doesn't know what I bring to the family anymore because she's <laughs> bringing home the bacon providing all the oh she's doing everything yeah she she, yeah which i have to just eat crow and yeah you did a wonderful job honey (laughs) she kills it cooks it she does everything yeah bring back some crow and say here you go this is my part yeah that's funny yeah i actually i've got uh 23 points for moose here in utah which holy there's there's a unit or two i could draw but the one that i've been putting in for takes like 24 25 so probably a point or two behind the curve and hopefully the next few years i'll you know i'll catch up and maybe draw a permit finally but it's once in a lifetime here in utah as well they're they're, these are shiros yeah same same as here Mm -hmm. yeah wow that's that's uh that's a lot of points you need. Yeah, I'll be and I'll be hunting with my bow too, so I got to be on my game. And our our season's not very long. It's like I think it might be like ten days or something. When so. when is it? Is it during the rut by chance? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's in the fall. Um, it is uh, I think October usually. So okay, uh, yeah. there's some pretty good. I know I know where you know where to find the most usually, but uh, but yeah, with archery, you know, you're that's that's kind of a risk. So we'll see how it works out. Hopefully, I could get it done quick and not, not have all the pressure. Yeah, no doubt. How long have you been uh, flinging arrows? You know, um, I I started bow hunting when I was probably 26 or 27, um, just loosely. And um, they had a program here where you could hunt. You know, you could like do service hours, and they call it dedicated hunter program in Utah. And uh, they let you hunt. You know, you pay extra. And then you basically can tag two deer in a three-year period. You can pick which years. Like the first year, usually you're just looking for something really nice. And if you find it, great. If not, then you're not totally bummed out because, you know, you only take two deer in the three-year period anyways. Um, And so as soon as that program um, came about, I joined that and bought a bow because I, you know, just wanted to hunt more. Before that, I was only a rifle hunter. I mean, I didn't grow up bow hunting or never really had any experience or nobody really mentored me. So just kind of uh, had a father-in-law and brother-in-law that were into bow hunting uh, a bit. So I just kind of learned a little bit from them and kind of hacked my way through it. But once I really started doing it more, I, you know, had a lot more passion for it. You know, found like it was a lot more challenging, but also a lot more rewarding when you're successful. So feels like it's a lot more up my alley and, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah it's been i'm i'll be 50 this year so i've been uh, well you're 50 yeah yeah oh good on you dude wow. good on you yeah, yeah i'm a I grandpa so no shit <laughs> yeah yeah i've got oh, a two and a half year old grandson and, and uh i was 23 when i had my first and oh, yeah, she uh, was same as Pete probably there. 23 yeah. i think or, or so when she had her 24 yeah. maybe 
Um, That's exciting too, because you're yeah. you're young enough, you're fit enough, yep. you're gonna get to enjoy. I mean, one you got That's to enjoy it. your kids with all that energy too. Yeah, but yeah I'm gonna you teach get your grandkids with all that energy. That's still awesome. Still be able to participate heavily. I, I well, that's that's wicked. I love it. Yeah. Then I got a granddaughter that's going to be born here in just a, about three weeks. So super stoked for that. that's with my son, who's uh, my second child. I have four kids, and three daughters uh-huh. and a son. So yeah, y'all be a grandpa twice now here. Awesome. A few weeks. So you had a busy you had a busy go at it. Yeah, I have three at home. Um, the youngest turned seven here on Saturday, so wow, okay, They're still young. Yeah, I'm 44, so I, I started late, okay. later than you two, anyway. But I mean, yeah, yeah, I didn't. What's late? I mean, I got a cousin who started when he was 48, and like he says, better late than never. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we'll you could do we'll it. We'll see once they get the teenage the years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm heading in, not there yet, but it's coming close, and you can already start to see it. Like, hey, man, where's your brain? Uh, yeah. so kevin and pete do you, got, you guys ever hunt down here in the states at all do you guys ever get down this way no no, no. um get invited down there lots but yeah sure it's uh it's pretty tough i mean i hunt a lot in the spring i hunt a lot in the fall and then like in british columbia we could just go down and we can buy over-the-counter sheep goat elk moose yeah. here like you know what Why i mean you come down here <laughs> you, you, we can buy pretty much anything we like so um yeah, it's tough. I'd love to come down there. Um, but yeah, it's just uh usually I hunt pretty hard and then usually by the end of December I'm pretty Yeah. I'm yeah burnt out. Pretty burnt out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. But then you know, you get back on the horse and you're counting the days till April first and bear opens again. So but yeah, if honestly, you can wear yourself out doing what you love, that's fantastic. Yeah. And honestly, our tags are cheap compared to pretty much everybody else, like what we pay for ours. Yeah, two cheats, I think. Well, I'm not going to complain. Plenty cheap, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like well, 25, we, the, 25 bucks for an elk tag. Wow. Like, I think it's somewhere in there. It's our application like fee, almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have a little. But like you guys, I mean, our, the way our man, our wildlife is managed up here is it's uh, it's pretty gross. There's not a lot of money, not a lot of that money that's going back into the wildlife management. So if we started paying $100 for tags, we better see some serious improvement on how, how much money and how much funding is going back into wildlife management. Cause yeah, I know out of the hundred, I know I, when I, when I talked to Kyle, who's the, the uh, he's not the seating president, but he's, he was, the, he used to be the president of the wild sheep society up here. And he said in BC, it was like $119 million. The provincial government got or $119 million they received in like licenses fees and all that stuff that sportsmen put in and they put like 8 million back into the resource wow spread over everywhere over everywhere right over our province so and you think of like the size of yeah you think of the size of british columbia i mean you're putting you know washington oregon utah all together just to equal the size of bc and eight million dollars and like you think like what is one of one of your states put into it's into wildlife like but i mean you know you guys have different you got a lot more people down there and also you got yeah. you got the great access to like the Pittman robertson dingle johnson fund which is incredibly matched uh, so that helps a lot but yeah i don't know something needs to happen hopefully yeah how's your predator control up that way it is our predator control is really a political issue like everywhere else yeah. i mean yeah. obviously up here we've got tons of wolves we've got tons of cats we've got tons of grizzly bears tons of black bears and it's just it's a political issue there is a wild there is like the wolves the um 
so like the the interior caribou herd took quite the beating just with overlogging and predators and just like you know human encroachment on on the on the landscape so um and global warming too right like the way our, our um climate's sure, changing yeah so they took a big tumble so i mean there is a, a wolf call going up in the northern part of the province but i mean i don't know how effective it is um i haven't heard i they kind of keep that locked up they don't like talking about it too much so i don't know have you heard much much about that pete uh, a few years ago when i went to the bcwf conference up in fort st john there they had a couple biologists and stuff talking about that and it was specifically on the caribou recovery and the wolf call that was happening at that time and all the science pointed to it was helping uh okay. overall um with calf retention and all that kind of stuff but it was an astonishing number as to how quickly they can repopulate. Like you have to take out, I believe it was above 86% out of a pack's numbers. Um, Knock them down. Just, just to put a dent in them. Yeah. Otherwise, if it's less than 86%, they have a hundred percent recovery the following year. Yeah. Multiple litters a year. I mean, they just, well, keep... they're dogs. They can have yeah, tons just... and tons of animals and yeah. as long as the food's there. And a, lot, and a pile of them in every litter. And... Yeah. yeah. So it's... And they don't have any predators other than humans. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they're yeah, if smart. We're not controlling them. Nobody's going to. Oh, it's, yeah. Smart. So it's what they a... did. Go, go ahead, ahead Pete. Oh, go I was just going to say, so what our genius government did is they come up with this predator prey <laughs> reduction program. So instead of killing the wolves, they figured they'd kill the moose to save the caribou. Jeez, that's nice. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they're, this way they won't, you know, there's no political backlash with having to call because a lot of people that are in our major cities who, you know, they never step outside a major city. They're kind of removed from the outdoors and the, out and, you know, wildlife. So they have no real connection to it. And they, they really have no idea what's going on actually outside their front doorstep. But their votes, right? Right, votes yep. count. Yep. So, yep. yeah, they figured they'd if they knock out down a, you know, knock down the moose population, the wolves will starve and the caribou herd will be able to recover. And they figured, oh well, you know, moose are resilient; they'll just bounce back. But, what you know, there's a lot of variables that they're not taking in consideration. You know, if they're taking data from 1960, our landscapes changed a lot right. in 1960. Yeah, like sure. we, you know, we're a huge producer of lumber um for not just british columbia but for north america and overseas mm -hmm. as well so oh yeah i'll say yeah so there's not you know the landscape looks a lot different than the data they might be looking at so i don't know but again this is our genius government we're dealing with yeah we call it uh yeah. ballot box biology it's like <laughs> marketing you know just yeah. put a picture well, of something sad happening you know somebody shoot the bear or, you know it, it, right... it just seems like they don't want to go to the root causes of everything because a lot of the root causes you can just follow the money trail and the money trail leads to these big corporations and i'm prologging our whole valley here you know mm -hmm. like but there's a way to do it yeah, responsible logging responsible logging and uh, i think one of the biggest things um for pressuring animals and stuff like that is not decommissioning roads properly. And I'm not talking about a stupid ditch that you can't mm -hmm. get through with your pickup. I'm talking, make it natural again, because that's how the caribou and the moose escape. They get high up, they get into that deep snow where the wolves aren't going or not as often because they have to use so much energy to get to the top of mm -hmm. the mountains. They're only going to do that so much. And this was actually by the biologist too, that we're talking about this in the caribou recovery. 
But when you have all these roads, they're highways, easy highways to get to the tops of the mountains virtually. So these wolves can make multiple trips up and down with little, uh, with very little yeah. um, energy. And I'm not just focusing on wolves. I'm just using them as an example. Anything, cats, it doesn't matter. They can all use these highways to the tops of the mountains, very little energy used. And now they can target these big animals where normally they're Anywhere able to they hide are. up there. And yeah. different than people too. People are able to get into areas they were never able to get to before. And the animals used to hide in there. They used to calf in these areas. And now they're stressed out. So, you know, now you come down to calf retention and all that kind of stuff. And it's a huge issue, but there's, you know, they don't want to do that because that costs money. They might need that road again later down the road to strip the other half of the mountain off. So stuff like that, like they're not actually fixing the root causes. They're just throwing band-aids up until the next election basically yeah you know it's it's never long-term thinking it's always short-term thinking well they're yeah, not we, thinking oh so go ahead mike no, i was gonna say I they're really... not they're not uh they're really not they're not really not even looking at the problem they're just trying to they're just all they're worried about like it's just politics yeah it's just politics it's yeah. like they're giving somebody's giving them a, an issue giving them a problem and they're giving uh like mike said a band-aid fix to make them look good like oh yeah um, we're aware of this problem. This is our answer. This is how we're solving it. And we're also doing extended research on it, but no, you're not, they're not right. It's just, it's just walk off and go away politics. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I know here in Utah, we don't have grizzlies and we don't, we don't really have wolves per se. There, well, nobody will, will go on the record and say we have any, but, uh, that's debatable whether they've made it here or not from Idaho, but, uh, but, uh, the black bears, I've got, my older brother went down with a neighbor of his. It's the, the big game coordinator for the state of Utah. And they were uh, they were putting and planting chips in pregnant cow elk. And then uh, and then they would go on and get samples and uh, check the, the calves when they drop them. And, you know, many times they'll find, you know, black bears just waiting around for that, that cow elk to drop that calf. And they just jump right on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, take them before they even have a chance. And, and I know. Uh, you know, up in your area, the the bears are just murderous on those moose calves. They're just the same thing. Like they can they can smell and tell when they're getting ready to drop a calf, and you know they're just waiting around. You know. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. The bears, and we. I mean, we got we've got tons of black bears. We got tons of grizzly bears. Tons of like we have tons of every. Well, we not nearly as much as we used to, but when it comes to predators, um, it seems like everything else the numbers are going down, but the predator numbers seem to be going the opposite way of the ungulates. Yeah, man doesn't control them. Then they're, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And the black bear, I mean, like I know a lot of people, myself, we're allowed two black bear tags a year and I hunt two black bear tag, two, two black bears a year. Um, most of the time I get two black bears, but I mean, not everybody hunts black bears. They're just, they're just, they have no interest in them. Right. There's this, there's this idea going around that the black bear meets no good. So. They oh, it's amazing. Them. Oh, it's amazing table bear. I've still got a little bit left in my freezer. It's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Everybody that I introduced to black bear, they're just blown away by how good yeah, it is. They don't believe thing. me. Yeah. They're like, well, I can't believe it. And my wife bear. works for an oral surgeon and, and I, I brought it. I was telling him about it. Oh, he wanted to have some. So they had this little cabin retreat they did for an employee to kind of get together. And I brought some up and we smoked it on the Traeger and, nice. and I brought some elk and then they had some, some beef and, and all that. And I, I'm like, let me, I'll do all the meat, you know, get it all prepared and, and served it up and man, like the, the, the black bear meat disappeared before everything. I mean, they were all like, that's like some of the best meat I've ever tasted. They couldn't yeah. believe what it was, but I said, yeah, I'm telling you, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know where I think. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I like my dad. He, he has never had an interest in shooting bears and like moose and everything. No problem. But 
and I don't, he's always just said, oh, the, I, but even like, I remember when I used to go hunting with him when I was a kid and they were just like, no, we, the meat's gross and they carry worms and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I mean, yeah, they do carry worms and, but that's, yeah. I mean, it, you just got to cook just it take properly. care of it properly, prepare it properly. You have no, yeah. I mean, it's no, no different than whatsoever. pork. Yeah. Yeah. It's no yep. different than yep. pork. Trigonosis. Or, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. You but. cook it right. You kill it right out of there. Yeah. How about cougar? Have you ever had cougar? Oh uh, yeah. It's fantastic. Also. It, so it tastes kind of like pork, but it's, I mean, it's a little sweet almost. I mean, I, I actually, I love it. It's yeah. really good. But not a lot of meat on those things, but, but yeah, it's really good. No, there's not. And it's I funny will be when, eating this, this cat. I get Absolutely. Yeah, when, when you pull the hide off, it's funny how, how much they shrink. Yeah, You're like, not a lot of, yeah. Crap, that thing got small all of a sudden. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, the yeah. hide's bigger than, the hide pad are bigger than the rest. <laughs> yeah, if you get one, are you going to, what kind, are you going to do a mount with it or just do a rug? Yeah, yeah, well, I did a, I did a rug with this bear. I don't quite have it back yet, but uh, yeah, I'll do a mount. I don't know, I may do a full body. I'm not quite sure, just trying to decide still, but uh, yeah, I'll definitely mount it. Yeah. Yeah, the full, I think, I feel like if you're going to do a mount, you kind of, with a cat, you kind of have to do the full mount. Yeah, yeah, there, there's some cool mounts I saw at the expo and, you know, seen around, but uh, that'd be kind of fun. to got to find a place to put it, right? The right place in the house uh, yeah. without uh, having my wife give me grief every time she looks at it. We so. got a, we got, I got a, a um, full mount cat. So as soon as you walk in our front door and you turn yeah. your head, there's one sitting right He's above on you. you huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's just sitting there looking down at you. <laughs> Keep but. the intruders out, right? <laughs> you need a battery-powered eye lights, you know, <laughs> get yeah. the brain going. Yeah, we get like you walk into my front entrance. Yeah, we definitely get some looks by some people because you walk in and there's a couple deer, a caribou, and some sheep all sitting there, a goat wow. right at the front entrance, and they're like, uh, nice. <laughs> "What does That's the rest cool. of the house look like?" Well, it same. looks the same. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to come check it out when I get back up to Kelowna. <laughs> yeah, when you come up, bring your bow up, and we'll go shooting. Oh man, I'd love that. Yeah, it'd be Great. fun. So, what kind of bow are you shooting? So, I shoot Hoyt. Um, I have an oh. RX5 right now, but I got an RX7 ordered that uh, should be here in the next few weeks. So, super excited to actually won won a bow at the Hunt Expo um, nice. at the Mule Deer Foundation uh, banquet they had. So that was awesome, yeah. and uh, they let me they let me upgrade that, nice. pay a little extra, and get some stuff for it. Um, that point with uh that's cool so very excited to have that rx7 so are you going with the are you going with the ultra yeah yep the ultra 34 i I have a 31 and a half inch draw so i'm only like 511 but i have long uh, gorilla arms i guess so yeah it happens my brother he's like i don't know how tall he is i'd say five six but he'll get pissed off at me he's like five (laughs) five eight or something but he's got him five seven (laughs) he's got i got a 29 inch draw length and he's got the same draw length as me really and yeah. he's like yeah, yeah. and he's like four years four inches shorter it's hilarious but yeah he's just wow yeah it's yeah. funny it's funny i mean i've told this story a couple times before but i was up at uh wayne endicott's uh he owns the, the bow rack up there in springfield oregon and uh i was up at an elk shape camp with dan state in, uh in oregon this last summer and i was up there shooting my bow and i had him build me up some arrows and he says let me come watch you shoot so i'm over there shooting and he's like you're you look a little hunched up oh really and he's like yeah dude, shoot another one i do and he's like your draw length's longer than what you're set for really like no i'm a 30 inch draw a draw length and he's like no you're not i said really how much and he's like it's it's a bit i mean it's probably an inch or more like serious so he goes and puts it on the press and does you know adjust everything and 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 moves it to 30 uh and a half 
And he's like, oh, still, still bunched up. And then he goes to 31. Then he got a 31 and a half. And he's like, oh, okay, there you go. Now you look good. And so for, you know, just this whole time, I'm telling you, shooting a bow for, you know, 20 something years already, 23 years. And I've always been a 30 inch draw length in my mind. And I've never had anybody tell me any different, any bow mm-hmm. shop I ever went to. And, uh, but immediately, I mean, it really, you know, pretty fair shot before that, but really brought those groups in more consistently. Nice. Yeah. Now it I was... feel great when I shoot. I don't feel like I'm getting in a baseball stance or anything funny. I just get nice and relaxed and everything feels super natural. And yeah. So... It must've been hard on your front shoulder too. I imagine sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's true actually. And I really, I truly have, I used to, these skill sorks, I, you know, shoot thousands of arrows a year, shoot yeah. a lot, you know, and, uh, and at times it starts to get a little sore, you, you know, feel like you're shooting too much or something, but I haven't had any of that shoulder pain since I've adjusted yeah. that product. Yeah, there's the fine line where it's got to be, and I tell people all the time, it's got to be. You don't want to be too. You don't want to be too long because then you're going to hyperextend your arm. Yep. You yep. don't want to be too. Sh- you don't want to be too short because then your shoulder's going to be crunched in, and yeah, you're not going to be square to your bow. Yeah, there's a fine line. You got to really narrow it down, and it, yeah, it's. And I uh, think everywhere I had been, you know, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I think had I had I really, you know, insisted somebody look a little closer or had i analyzed it or videoed it or i just didn't i didn't know any different and nobody ever said anything yeah you know, they measure arms they go through this stuff but you know which which hole on your i i shoot a you know a, a trigger finger you know yeah a wrist strap, strap. Yep. Yep. and depending on which one you buckle it on I mean, you could change it an inch just right there and yeah. so and that was the other thing what i was doing is um i was extending it out to like the last loop and he's like, oh, you don't want to do that. You know, get it nice and tight, comfy yeah. and less play. And let's just mm-hmm. fix the draw length and it'll be more natural. But um, yeah, it's amazing what a difference that that's made to, to bring those groups in. So, you know, that's great good. recommendation for everybody to really double check that and make sure that you're really, truly. Uh, you know, yeah, that's what's nice about that. those. The new bows now is you can actually, I mean, all you have to do is you just take a Torx head yeah. and you just, you know, unwind the, the you unwind the, the, um, the module a little bit and you can like especially well let me rephrase that some bows you can't some bows you got to change the mods like on the math you have to change mm-hmm. the mods which is nowadays is super easy but like on the Hoyt yeah. system man it's super easy to change your draw length and now they have the built-in string stops on the module so i saw that oh that's something huh yeah that's so now you don't have to cool. you don't have to do with that but i remember yeah when i first started shooting i was constantly changing i was like ah, oh, let's try 27 you know i'd shoot that for a while and then you know, the next year I'd be like, ah, oh, 28. And then like, oh, no. And then you go to like <laughs> yeah. 29. And I, I went like between 28 and a half and 29. I went through the most just trying to feel endless. Like if there was a 28 and three quarters, I'd probably be money. Yeah. yeah. Probably be right bang on. Yeah. But um, yeah, you definitely want to make sure that uh, you got the right draw length. And it's, it's tough. You Like you said, you got to, it's kind of a trial and error process. Because even if they measure you up, um, it all depends on what kind of release you're shooting, where you're comfortable, and yeah, everybody's different. That's kind of one of the neat things about archery is it's it's custom to each shooter. I guess that's yeah, one, one of the other person could do too is if you're feeling sore in any area, like especially if you're new to archery or something, or even if you like you've been shooting a long time. So there's that aspect. Um, but if you are getting shoulder pains or anything like that, maybe try to find find an experienced person or video yourself from different angles. And see if there's something in there that obviously you can't see, but maybe it's a situation kind of like you, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't quite look loose and relaxed there. I wonder why. Maybe it is something as simple as that. 
that's why you're getting some pains just because you're you're compensating pressure somewhere else yeah yeah that's the operative word that compensating and that's what i i mean i found the same thing it, you know even after he adjusted that he you know i was a big baseball player i loved baseball you know big softball after that you know just uh so you know I, I almost felt like i was getting in a baseball stance you know like my legs are you know wide apart and i'm kind of hunched you know just a unnatural look it's like you know, and, and that's when Endicott said, no, 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 relax, just stand there. Just stand there normal. All right, all right, okay, pull your bow up, stare at the target, look where you're going to shoot, just take it in, think for a second. And it was just, it was very interesting to go through that, that regimen and, and those steps versus what I was doing before. And at the same camp we had, which I, I don't know if you all have had a chance to shoot with Joel Turner or, or studying of the, any no. of the shot IQ stuff, but uh, man, big shout out to, to Joel Turner. He's got uh, you know, a program that's pretty cheap. Um, a lot of online stuff and uh it's amazing it absolutely changed my accuracy and my shot process he calls shot blueprint mm -hmm. just coaches you on how to go about taking each shot and you know, i was punching my trigger too and i, I mm -hmm. didn't know i was he videoed it right in front of me and i watched the same video next to him and he's like see you punched it i'm like no i didn't punch it that's how you do it you know He's like, no, how you think you're supposed to do it is the definition of punching it. So yeah, you, you learned, you've been punching the trigger for 23 years and I'm thinking, wow, you know, really? So then with a little bit of education and then watching that back and then practice, it's like all of a sudden, same thing. Like those groups just shrink right in mm -hmm. and you're not feeling like you got to hurry and, you know, punch yeah. that trigger because, you know, your sights where you want it and, you know, calmness and control, mm -hmm. breathing. You know, just those things that that seem like it's pretty simple when you're standing in the backyard and in, in flip flops or you're at the range. But yeah. when you're out on the mountain, you know, and it's and the weather's there and you're, you've been hiking and you're hot and, and there's pressure and your adrenaline's going like you can't afford to have all that stuff going through your mind. And you, you need to have that shot blueprint dialed in so that you can execute. Mm -hmm. You know, you work all year for this perfect shot, or maybe maybe it's a once in a lifetime tag. Or you just can't allow yourself to mess up. You know, that kind of an opportunity. So I'm a firm believer too. With I mean, everybody's got a phone now. You can buy, you can prop it up on anything. Um, yeah, I'm a firm believer in filming yourself and analyzing it. Even little things. Not that doesn't even have to be major things. Could just be like your hand. Like literally focusing on your hand. And that's it. But I think the biggest thing is a person has to be open to the fact that there's most of the time there's a little something that can be done or changed. Otherwise, you'd be Robin Hooding every single arrow. If you yeah. were doing everything perfect every single time, that's what would happen unless there's something mechanically that went wrong. But most of the time, that's not it. Most of the, yeah. you know, like one after another, after another, you should be banging them off each other. And if you're not, so there's something that needs to be tweaked or fixed or, but you have to be open to not blaming your equipment. It's probably <laughs> you more than likely. So that's a big thing. Yeah, and if it is your equipment, then that, then you got to fix that too. Like that's you got to right. dial that in. And, and then once you've got that solidified, then you know it's you. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard. It It's complicated though, especially for guys that aren't, that are new to it. You know, not just the, not just your draw process and your shot execution, your bow, how it's set up. Is it set up properly? Is this the right bow for me? Am I shooting too much weight? Am I shooting the proper arrows? Yeah. Like yeah. it's so involved. And like, if you don't know, and if you don't have someone there that can help you with it, it's really hard. It's really, 
you know, it's really challenging and you can go on, you can go on for years um, and just, you know, just be doing, like you said, with your draw length, it could be wrong. You don't even know it. And then when you, you know, all of a sudden you, you, you get it right. Or somebody shows you how to do it right. Then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, this is amazing. And then you're like, well, damn it. I wish I would have known this 15 years ago. Cause it might've made a huge difference. Archery as hard as it is. You don't need to make it any harder on yourself. Yeah, that's you right. develop it. So you got to control those variables, but, uh, but, in this day and age, like you say, with the technology and, you know, the, the great, you know, cameras we got right in our phones and little stands you could buy for 20 bucks on Amazon to, you know, set everything yeah. up and figure yeah. it out. Slow-mo and all the things. And I, do, I I always fill up my iPhone. I have a one terabyte iPhone. I just fill it up with videos, stuff like that, right? Slow-mo yeah. and shoot my bow, you know, three or four times. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. but it's amazing what you learn and you just would have no idea you're doing unless you really watch yeah. it. Yeah. And the access is, is, is good now i mean there's so much stuff out i mean keelan's got so much great stuff john's got so much great stuff out there that um and i mean there's tons right it's just it's so accessible where you can just go on google basically and yeah. proper google proper proper archery form and then watch a million videos on it i mean of course everybody's going to have something different to say but just you know watch them all and use your best judgment yeah, and you, they say you know you, you hear probably since we were kids you know practice makes perfect and it's actually completely inaccurate like um perfect practice makes perfect you know you have to yeah. practice properly you're better off shooting three perfect arrows the right way and shooting 30 the wrong because now you got to yeah. unwind that muscle memory and that you're you know you fall into those old habits and oh, so you got to get get rid of those and work through those kinks and then be very very diligent on executing that's one of the things that joel turner continues to say and everything he teaches is is that you have to have enough control in that shot that you can stop at any moment and not not release the arrow like you could like mm -hmm. a split second before you could decide this isn't the right shot and stop yeah. otherwise if you can't stop yourself then you didn't have control and you were in the you weren't prepared to, to release that arrow with confidence and feel like it's it's going to hit where you want it yeah yeah man it's uh it's funny you say that I, there's a, I got a work colleague a couple of weeks ago. He was over here. He brought his bow over. He hadn't shot in a while. And, uh, so I put his bow through the press. I fixed his timing, he had a bit of cam lean. So I fixed that. And like, he was shooting nice. arrows that were just the wrong arrows. He's shooting like a 200 spline arrow off the 60 pounds oh. and he's got 28 oh, wow. inch draw. And it's like, dude, this is bad. So like I set them all up and yeah. then we go, we go into the front and we're it's like, Hey, let's, let's put some, uh, let's put some points in a target here. And right away, I was just like, oh, dude, we got everything you're doing. Forget all that, right? Like, let's start from scratch. Start from your footing, right? Like, he's a right-handed shot, and he had his left foot probably a foot in front of his right foot, right? There's a, yeah, in front of his right foot. And, like, just his his shoulder was crunched down, and his arm was hyperextended. And like, just, and he's like, oh, I've, this is how I've been shooting. And he's like, my dad shoots the same way. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> let's forget everything you just but the problem is like we shot for a whole day and we sh then we shot again and it's like the, he was yeah. good like at the beginning he was shooting and then we got him out of those those habits and we got him set up properly like how his proper form should be all the way from, you know from his from his grip to his anchor and then two days later he comes back and he's like back to his old habits and like you said <laughs> though it's so hard to get out of those habits once you have them yeah it's all it's it's almost yeah it's worse like it, that's why i always tell people right away i'm like if you get a new bow find somebody that can teach you how to shoot because the hardest thing to do is to forget it's easier it's harder to forget bad habits than it is to learn good habits yeah. especially with new archers i'm like you're better off waiting even if you buy a bow and you have to wait a month i know you're excited to shoot it and do anything you're going to be better off in the long run 
waiting for somebody who can who can help you with your process of shooting because it's trust me you're gonna you're gonna end up shooting this bow you're gonna develop all these bad habits and then you're gonna spend the next six months trying to forget all the bad habits you just learned and you're gonna end up right back where you would be if you just waited it's it's like golfing right you i mean you when you're when you have a crappy swing or your form's just terrible or baseball or anything else but like especially golfing to me it's like it's worth it to work through that pain of swinging properly getting to the point where you know you're spending all this time you're spending this money you're spending this effort especially when you're hunting i mean it's, it's so hard as it is to get a bow range of these animals that are switched on and wired and all their senses are you know on point and it, it just uh you've got to you've got to get every single advantage you can and so when it comes down to that crunch time like you just have to have that stuff dialed in yeah because it's nearly impossible as an, i mean you know 10 percent success is you know on high end with archery equipment, it's like you you don't have a lot of leeway here to, to mess up. So. No, no, it's uh, it's definitely hard. You don't need to make it harder on yourself. That's for sure. And, and then the metal side is is even worse. If you if you're physically not doing things appropriately, where you can have confidence, then your brain's gonna you know yeah. it's gonna implode yeah. anyways. Right? Yeah, exactly. If you're not confident with your shot execution, then yeah, forget it. Stick to the rifle until you, you know, put more <laughs> arrows down range, practice a little yeah. bit more. And, but you owe that to that animal anyway. Sure I mean, do. it's part, it's part of our responsibility as ethical hunters is to make sure that we're putting in the time, um, to make an ethical kill. Nobody wants to wound one to be tracking it. I mean, it happens. Don't get me wrong. It happens. Even man, I've done it and I've shot tons and tons of arrows and I've, I've, it's, it's just one of those things. Sometimes it happens. Um, but it, it could happen with anything it happen with a rifle. It's just, it is what it is. Right. Yeah, you don't. I mean, I've hit animals where I thought it was perfect, or and you like it hit a bone, and it's something it yeah. ribbed, it's something blunt somewhere. Like you know, you just have the broadhead fail if it's expandable, and you, you don't you don't always know as it is. You yeah. have to take every precaution you can to, to get all of that as right as possible, and there's still going to be challenges like that. So yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, dude, I got to talk to you about this uh, cold tubbing. Oh, <laughs> okay. I wonder if this might come up okay t- explain it to you I'm, I'm sitting there watching you jump like some of these times it's like four o'clock in the morning and you're jumping into this tub you're okay first you're breaking the ice off with it and you're dunking in what nine minutes you're in there yeah nine or ten a few times I mean, yeah i've been uh yeah usually yeah something like that eight nine ten minutes i showed my wife your the video i'm like dude i'm like look at this Look at this crazy guy. Look at him. She's like, he's got a smile on his face. You can say it. Look at this idiot. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like, and I'm like, look at this guy. He's crazy. And she's like, why? I'm like, I have no idea. Why? I don't know. There's got to be a reason to, because he does it every day. Yeah. So you got to tell me about it. I like. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I mean, you've you know a lot of people, uh, you know, Wim Hof or Dr. Huberman or EC, you know, Cam Haynes been doing it for a while. Joe Rogan talks about it all the time. There's there's a lot of a lot of people out there that have, have learned. You know, college athletes, people that that I know and I've known for years. I mean, that was a part of their recovery or their training was you know sitting in a cold tub and. Um, and so I just decided uh, this year, I'm like, you know what? I mean, I have a hot tub at home and I, I just have this routine if I'm doing like a lift session or some kind of CrossFit circuit that I do, or if I'm on a trail run, you know, when I'm done, I like to come back and sit in the hot tub and try and get my muscles to relax and 
once I started, I got a hot tub I don't know, a few years ago, but almost immediately, as soon as I started using that as a part of my recovery, I was way less sore. I just felt a lot better. And then um, this cold tubbing is a whole other level of more of that. And so um, there's a few things about it. Um, the first thing is it actually um, really can help boost your immune system. So um, it, it helps your body build up um, greater resistance to those things that, that might get you sick. Um, so that's an interesting byproduct. Um, I don't get sick almost ever as it is. I mean, I'm pretty healthy uh, generally, but um, but that's one thing. Um, second thing is you feel like you are, I mean, it's so crazy to explain, but like you feel so fresh and alive. And it, I, I always say that it's, you feel like frisky, like you're like, oh man, you know, like you just have this boost of energy after you get out of this tub. And so I thought, man, this is like pretty cool. And then you feel like you're ready to take on the day, like mentally, you feel cleared out, like that meditation you know people that are into that or not like yoga whatever i um i find that when i'm in that tub even if i'm talking into my phone or recording a thing that i'm gonna post up it's like you just get this clarity that like you can't get i don't i don't get anywhere else and so that's very healthy um, it's very mentally tough like i find myself avoiding it like and putting it off like i'll waste 20 minutes sometimes you know when i'm going to get in my wife's like are you done i'm like i got in it oh you're still delaying i'm like i don't mean to like i but but really yeah. if i'm honest like yeah some, some I, I gotta let the dogs out i gotta i, got, I gotta do something yeah. <laughs> oh i gotta so, go to work right? sorry yeah well, not today yeah I, but 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 truly i'm i'm so far past that now like it it's not scary like it, there's you know there's I don't feel like I'm in danger. Like I eased into it. I, I did a lot of research, you know, I don't, I want to be super careful. Like I don't want to have a heart attack or something crazy, you know, because of this. So, you know, I, I built it up to where, you know, I know those limits and um, the water I'm in is, is pretty cold. Like it, it's excessively cold for what you would need it to be. Like they say, fuck dude, you're sitting there with a sledgehammer and you're breaking it up. Right yeah. before you're going in, like that. Okay, yeah, that's it's cold. been like 35 degrees usually, which is that's pretty, what Pete is fishes in. When Pete busts yeah. the ice, he's sticking a lure down on the bottom. He's sitting in a nice warm shack. <laughs> he's drinking like, a bit. Freaking cold here. Let me out. Yeah, yeah, he, right. yeah he's complaining. It's cold. He's got his car hearts on. He's probably drinking a Carolines and coffee. <laughs> oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> Yeah. So I found a lot of, so I've worked through this to where it's like, okay, I have this routine now where, um, you know, I, I know how it's going to feel. I know what to expect. There's no surprise. I'm calm. I don't lose my breath. I'm not, I mean, half the time I get a little shivery here and there, but sometimes I'm not even shivering. Like I, my body just knows how to deal with it. And and so I've also found it's like, once I've done that, especially if it's, early, sometimes it is four in the morning because I don't, I don't sleep a whole lot, like four or five hours, you know, five hours. I'm usually like golden. Yeah. It's just kind of how I've been. And so, you know, I'll get to bed at midnight and sometimes I'll wake up at four or five in the morning and it's like, I can't get, even if I want to, I can't really get back to sleep very easily. So like, oh, I'm just going to go jump at the tub and I'm going to go get a workout in or go for a run. And then I get done with that. Now I feel like I'm ready to take on the day and I've already won the day. It hasn't even started yet for most people. And so I think mm -hmm. just, there's a lot of reasons why, mentally you know building that fortitude and that strength and just that you know you're going to take control of everything um that, that you gain from that and so I, I just feel like also i mean it's crazy even even a crazy day at work or whatever's going on like i i just don't get nearly as stressed and it also truly like after i've done that like there's nothing i'm gonna do that day that's harder than that oh. or less comfortable or it's just you know you can do anything you almost feel like so i, I think it's a healthy practice 
for a lot of reasons, but the mental the mental side is really what I'm after more than anything. See, I so think do it's... you do hot and cold, or you just do cold? So I do, and I played with that too. Like for a while, I was sitting in the hot tub for a while, and then go in the cold tub. And that's kind of cool and interesting. Um, at the beginning, I was working out first, then the hot tub, then the cold tub, but I was getting pretty bad headaches, like almost migrating. Um, one of my one of my friends messaged me and said, "Hey, dude." don't do that. <laughs> do the cold tub first. Like you're, you're, you know, you're getting all your blood vessels, you're getting all swole and then you go and shrink them in that cold tub. And that's why you're getting those headaches. Oh, so, so you do the like, cold tub before you work out. I do. In fact, now oh, yeah. it's the first thing I try and do it fasted. So when I wake up, do that first and that I haven't eaten anything and it seems to go the best and it's, it's been a little easier, which I'm not necessarily after the easy. It's more just, I mean, by the time I get out, what, what drives me out every time it's, it's my fingers and toes are just so cold. Like they're stinging cold. Frostbitten it's like, okay. Is the word like, I think you're and that's for. my limit where I'm like, hypothermia. okay, <laughs> I got what I needed, you know? But yeah, I mean, it's not, I'm not at risk of hypothermia. I'm not in temperatures for like the time that that's going to happen for me. Like, and I've proven that, you know, myself, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, 10 and a half minutes. It's like, that's I what you're in there for 10 and a half minutes. Wow. That's the longest I've done, but it's like, I've read a bunch of stuff, like two to 10 minutes. You're fine. You know, um, all these different things. So how long have you been doing this for? Uh, maybe a couple months. I think so what... no, not that long. I mean, just this. I knew I was looking for a tub. If like you do it twice, that's and... long enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but I, how, what... but I love it now. I crave it. I, I like, I get excited to do it. You know? Kind of like Pete and his runs. That's right. Um, I, I got, I got to vouch for this a little bit here. Cause I think it's hilarious that you just happen to be on right now on the show. Because this past weekend, um, we headed off to Calgary for my brother-in-law's 40th birthday. And on the way back, um, we ended up going to this Nordic spa. Oh, wow. And they do <laughs> the ice bath thing. Except there they've got, it's pools because they have lots of people there. Yeah. And they've got hot tubs of different, like from 40 degrees all the way, you know, oh, to, nice. they, they have hot, warm, and cold. So that's that's their system that they have. You go in the hot, you go in the warm, so you slowly cool yeah. off your body then you go in the cool and then you go relax in front of a fire just with a house coat and stuff like that it's still nice. outside um right. so it's so the hot tub and i got that down no problem saunas <laughs> no problem i rock yeah. that out that's all me i got that every day sure and then we saw the cold pool and they had this little waterfall going into it and there's two foot icicles off this son of a bitch <laughs> and my brother-in-law and I are looking at each other and be like, I'll go in if you go in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it was no tippy toe and like you are right. It's right. like, okay, I gotta get to that far end of the wall and I gotta get underwater now. Yeah. And that's right. how it was. And it was like two it's two degrees Celsius is what that yeah, pool cold. is at. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> that was yeah. some cold stuff. So we're sitting there, you know, like all bundled up like this. You know, like I'm sure it felt like a minute, but it was only probably 20 seconds. And it was just like, how are you feeling? And be like, cold right now. And then, you know, 30 more seconds would go by me. How are you feeling? And be like, is it scary that I don't feel anything anymore? Yeah, <laughs> I think right? I'm going yeah. numb. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. honestly, after that first minute was done, we ended up lasting. Um, it was somewhere in between probably five and 10. So I would probably say nice. most likely about you know, realistically, it was probably five or sorry, six or seven minutes. Sure. And I was telling Kevin when I got back, like exactly how you're talking about after I had done a few cycles of this, because after the first time in again, I knew what it was going to be like. Yeah, 
um, I was so relaxed mentally, physically. And that was one time. And I, I, I went into it totally unbiased. I was like, well, I, I've heard lots about it. What does it hurt to try? And man, by the time I was done that day, I haven't felt that chilled out, pun intended, um, <laughs> in a long time. Like I had the best sleep of my life that night. Yeah. yeah. Um, the clarity that you're talking about too, like just sitting there uh, having a little bullshit session while we're sitting in front of the fire. It, there was no grogginess or anything like that. I mean, it was just, it was wow. Is the only way I could explain it. I mean, and I told Kevin, I said, it would be interesting to know how you felt if you were able to do this every day or every other day, whatever, mm -hmm. but on a consistent basis, I said, I, I wonder how good you would feel. And by the sounds of it, it does you pretty damn good. So yeah, I my mean, body and my mind are great. They, they, they want it. They're craving it. Like I, I, I feel an urge that oh, I need to go do that. I need to go do that. My wife, when I get home from work or usually I'd like to get up early and do it just depending on what's going on, had a crazy week this week, but uh, so sometimes at the end of the day or evening, whatever, um, I, it doesn't really matter to me when I do it necessarily, but I think it's probably best. The other thing, it also gets your metabolism going. And so if you do it fasted in the morning before you eat anything, like it, it kind of gets your, your um, metabolism boosted up and ready to roll. So I think it probably does a little bit better for you to you know, keep trimmed up a little bit. I mean, there's there's so many benefits besides just how I feel. I mean, just yeah. how I feel, I, I would do it anyways. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So, so do you, how, how many times a week do you do it? Uh, it's been about an average since I started about five plus, but I've been out of town multiple times for work. Mm -hmm. And then I had a funeral for a few days and I just don't have the top anywhere to, to go do yeah, it. Yeah. So, uh, but when I'm, when I'm home, just about every day when I've been home. So is that, is that just a tub you have filled with water and it's just cold yeah. enough there it's that a it's a cattle freezing? trough? I, I bought it at yeah. IFA, Intermount yeah, yeah. Farmers. And I, I looked for a long time and I couldn't find them. I had, was going to have to order one. I mean, it took me like three weeks to like, get my hands on the one I wanted like five different places right. finally found one that is I want one big enough that uh, my wife she hasn't joined me yet she said she's going to as it warms up just a little bit but I wanted it big enough that a couple people could get in if they wanted to and yeah and uh, so this was like a 300 gallon cattle trough basically but it's so cold here that yeah it freezes every night and actually when I first started the first week it got so frozen like it was almost like I mean there was barely enough room to put my legs under the, oh, yeah. the side that I wasn't breaking out yeah. and I bought on Amazon this heater that I could plug in and put in and it would it would it would warm it up to 40 degrees uh, Fahrenheit and I just let that go till the ice was almost gone then I pulled it out I haven't had that back in because it's been kind of on and off warm enough that it just kind of keeps it cold so I gotta I'll probably freeze some things of you know, some big bowls of ice or something. I got a couple of freezers here, you know, in the summer and try and solve it that way. I, I got to figure that part out, how to keep That's it. what I was going to ask. Wintertime, so, it's mother nature's yeah, helping out. But yeah. if it's 30 degrees yeah. and a black trough to boot right. is going to warm yeah, up. Gonna get the heat. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that I'd part's be true. curious how much ice you need to, to cool that off to where it's going to be. I'll effective. be finding out. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably got to buy some ice blocks or whatever, you know, but. And you probably have to change the water each time because if it's. Yeah. There... Yeah. Eventually for sure. And I have, I put some salt and I have some chlorine tablets for my hot tub. I've done a few things just to, to kind of keep it. I think it's been fine so far, but yeah, I uh, definitely drain it out. 
places. Maybe, I hopped on that. But. Maybe just get an old deep freeze and fill it full of water, plug it in for a bit. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, it's funny, though, that there's a lot of people that I was looking into doing that on uh, on YouTube. There's a bunch of people that do it that way, actually. They caulk the seams on it, and that, that is literally what they do. They yeah. turn the temperature of the thing. Just make sure you unplug it before you get into it. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm going to, I was a builder too. So I did construction. I'm going to build a sauna too out by my hot tub. Oh, that'd be nice. Probably yeah. this yeah. spring and, and add that to the regimen. But actually, I was going to tell you before. So at the very beginning, I was working out first and I'd go on a trail run and then I'd come back and I'd sit in the hot tub. And then I'd go and sit in this cold tub and it was giving me headaches. So then I switched that around. And now that I've got this order of it um, in a better shape, um, like you were doing by warming up slowly, um, Peter. Uh, I I was taking a lukewarm shower after, but okay. I mean, it was so, my fingers and toes were stinging so bad, like 15, 20 minutes. Like it was pretty miserable. I'm like, man, this, this is taking forever just to warm up. And so, and people said, well, don't get right in the hot tub. And But actually now, like, honestly, I go right out of that hot, out of that cold tub and I go right in my hot tub. Yeah. And, and it, within like 45 seconds, I feel great like it yeah, totally no just kidding. so that's been interesting um i don't know if it's bad or if i shouldn't be doing that i don't know but it's been fine and now it, you know I'm, I'm uh i'm able to get back to normal and do whatever i'm doing without you know that's such a long transition period to get back to being warm so yeah that's interesting i always i always comment on your when you're doing it i'm just like oh <laughs> man you're freaking crazy see you at four <laughs> yeah. o'clock in the morning so did you, well, I guess you didn't, I guess it's just, it is the temperature. It is, it is what it is. You have a little thermometer in there. It looks like that you're. I do about that on Amazon. I have a couple of them, but that one's a little bigger and brighter, but yeah, I've, uh, yeah. Thermometer, it's just battery powered. So I just hit yeah. the button on it and, and it just takes temperature. I leave it outside. So it's already pretty close. And then I let it sit in the water while I'm getting stuff ready. And before I um, start breaking, breaking everything out, and uh, make sure it gets the right temperature but yeah it's been i think 37 is about the highest it normally gets when there's any ice in it but it's normally 35 Fahrenheit. yeah yeah so probably three or four degrees celsius it seems like so about right yeah yeah huh. So. that's crazy man maybe i'll have to try it i don't know i hate being cold i hate it i did too and but i love well, it hey. i hate it I love it's it. one more reason kevin for you to come ice fishing up in the shack we'll have the shack heated up there you go. we'll tie a rope around you and i'll kick you in the water <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll haul you out when you need to. When you start going blue or whatever, be like, no, you still Let's got get a couple more on and Then you're, uh, yeah, I'll get you uh, in a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, you just this fish in. <laughs> yeah. Here, you hang on to your own rope here. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I ice fished once. That's it. I'm good. I have about as much enjoyment ice fishing as you do running. Oh, so, that's cool. <laughs> I told you you can hold your bow while we're fishing. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, it's too funny well anyway mike it's uh it's been fun chatting uh chatting with you thanks for coming on the show i yeah, appreciate yeah, it yeah you bet thanks for having me it, it, it has been fun and uh, like i said if i get up Kelowna way i'll have to hit you up for sure yeah absolutely man uh my door is always open come up and we'll shoot some arrows come up in the summertime it's a lot yeah. nicer than the winter oh yeah maybe, maybe yeah. get out in the ocean and or sorry on the lake and do some tubing or something fun. Yeah, it sounds like a plan. I, I would enjoy that. And you guys, do you guys ever get down to Utah or no? Not very often, no. Like I no, said, we're I pretty don't. busy up here. And as uh, soon as spring, I'm pretty pretty slammed with hunting and the kids. And then summer rolls by. And yeah, it just seems, I don't know, just the year just seems to fly by. What we'd I'd like to do is check out that hunt expo one year. Yeah, you really should. You guys, boy, you'd love that. Or 
and and uh, the some of these like total archery challenge or you know um, different archery events 3d courses I and mean, they have some not too far across the border from you that you might be able to get to that there are a lot tacks, of would, those tax would be pretty cool to go to oh man i always call it christmas in july the total archer challenges i mean that and the hunt expo were like yeah man that's, where'd yeah. you say that's where'd you say it was next year kevin was it st louis no that's the uh archery show but it's kind of like a toss show. the archery show but then like when i was talking to robbie I, we had robbie denning on yeah a couple weeks that. ago and he was going off about the um with the Hunt Expo, it's in Salt Lake City, which is not yeah. too far from where we are. Yeah, easier to get to than St. Louis. Yeah, so I don't know. It'd be fun to go bring the wives down. Yeah, I got direct flights on Delta from. Uh, well, I think they were. Were they direct? Maybe they weren't. I, it seems like I maybe I didn't get direct to Kelowna. Oh yeah, we could. You'd be able to fly directly from. Okay, seem yeah. seem like I. Did. It's been a few years, but yeah, Salt Lake's not too too far away from you guys. Yeah, and it's not. It wouldn't even be that bad of a drive, probably. You'll thank me. You'll thank me for it. I'll tell you what. You got to get down here to that hunt expo. It's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like you're having a lot of fun down there when you're. I was looking yeah. at your videos there. Yeah, it's a great time. There's just all the you know so many great people that are all together and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you, you were wearing a shirt and you said, uh, Rogan Haynes, we support you. What's that about? Oh yeah. So, so actually the boat rack, uh, in, in, uh, Oregon has shirts that they made and it's, uh, you know, Joe Rogan, Cameron Haynes, like it's a political party thing. Oh, okay. it's Rogan Haynes 24, like to, you know, run for the president and the VP yeah, of the United you. States. Awesome. They, they did one in, in 2020 also. So I have that one too, but, uh, usually wear the 24 now cause it's still coming up. So uh, <laughs> I'm just, just being funny. Cause they, that was a big thing. Everybody's like, you guys need to run for office, you know, oh, okay. get this country get fixed up pretty quick, I, you know? Yeah. I, I'd I be like it. getting Jim Shockey instead of Trudeau, right? <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, we're signing off there. We kind of got sidetracked, but I like it. Okay, buddy, keep in touch. And uh, you got anything to add, Pete? No, just thank you very much for coming on. It was a pleasure meeting you. And uh, yeah, I'll be following you jumping into the ice <laughs> waters there, <laughs> seeing how that goes. All right. Yeah, I think oh, I'm going to go buy a tub and I'll, I'll probably be swearing at you the whole time while I'm sitting in there. <laughs> yeah. Bring it on, man. Uh, so if you're going to cuss me out, I, I'd be happy for you to be doing it. With, with a smile on your face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to the Focus Hunting Podcast, coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoors production. Pete and I wanted to thank all you guys, the listeners, for tuning into the overpast 100 episodes of the show. This journey has been a lot of fun for both Pete and I, and we couldn't do it without your guys' support, so we really value that. And uh, you're going to notice a bunch of promo codes down in the show notes. Use them, save a bunch. Love you guys. Until the next time.